Okay, uh, welcome to uh, DNR Community Spotlight, Episode 7. And I'm here with Hainway, who I guess is Jane, right? I'm Jane, yeah. Okay, we'll just go with Jane the rest of the way. That's so, fine. Yeah, so thanks for doing this. Um, I think you were nominated by the Sheiks a while back and uh, just kind of gotten around to it here. So um, we got the general kind of same kind of questions that other people have had and then um, a couple different ones. So I um, guess we'll just start off with uh, the, the one that we start with every time, which is when and how did you find Dungeons and Randomness? Um, I think that I had started watching Critical Role, which I'm sure is a sort of D&D gateway for a lot of people. Um, and so I was looking for podcasts uh, that were also real play, live play, whatever they call it. Um, and I just searched iTunes and DNR came up and I'll admit I, I started listening early on, probably, I want to say right after the whole Drox Tomb thing. Okay. So that's probably in the teens somewhere. Yep. Um, and I was not immediately enthralled because the sort of OG group one dynamic is not one of my favorite things. Like I know a lot of people love it and love that sort of tension, but it yep. made me very nervous. <laughs> so like the episodes were, you know, were Rob and, um, God, I can't even remember now. Jason's brother. Yeah, um, Justin. Justin would like go back and forth and back and forth. It was just like torturous to me. So I listened and then I dropped it and then I went back. And eventually, like, it had enough momentum where I really got sucked in. Yeah, I think um, there was a talk on the Discord the other day about uh, critical role and um, how. How did you find Critical Role, just thinking about that? That's a good question. Because um, I wasn't a big watcher of Twitch. So I, hmm. <laughs> you know, I honestly don't know. Okay. Because I watched Fair that enough. very close to the beginning, too. Like, maybe yeah. five or six episodes in. Are you really just with... sort of like, you know. It looked like they were filming it in someone's basement. Yeah. Are you keeping up with Critical Role still? or have Not really. Okay. Um, I have subscribed to the podcast, but I really haven't listened to any of their second arc at all. I listened to it a little bit at the beginning, but now I prefer DNR. And part of it, I think, is that the episodes are so long. And, you know, listening to like three hours or four hours of a podcast is a lot. Yeah, which was a problem with arc one of DNR also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that was an improvement going to arc two. Plus the production value is a lot better in arc two, I think, too. But yeah, um, yeah. I have tried Critical Role a couple of times. I've never tried to watch it. And I know some people were saying maybe it's, better like a better visual experience than it is a podcast experience but i've really struggled with getting into it 
as a podcast. So, yeah, I I go back and forth because the I think Matt Mercer is a great DM. I think they're all really strong role players. Um, it is there isn't much visually going on though. I mean, I guess there's their expressions and stuff. For right. sort of visual, I like uh, what's the new one? Um, Dimension oh. Twenty, okay, which is on um, the College Humor streaming service, whose name I can't remember at the moment. Um, and it's all people from um, College Humor, and so it's definitely a much goofier vibe. But they really sprang out on miniatures and so they have like custom miniatures of all of the players and they have really elaborate sort of setups and they just go for it like a hundred percent so that i enjoy watching because there's sort there's more going on visually yeah i think um, i'm behind on it now because i I watched it with my wife and daughter but um relics and rarities is kind of oh yeah yeah the I've production value on that, that is really good. So Yeah. Yeah. I and I just, I love the little hook that they have that the people can go around and like pick something from yeah. the room to be like their magic item of the day. I just think that's a very clever touch. I also think it's a little cheating that like Deborah Ann Wall is like such a good actress and like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it feels yeah, she she does the voices and things very very well, and yeah, that it, yeah, I mean that that's a standard I can... thing too, right? Yeah. Is that they're all voice actors, so it, it is kind of cheating in that way, but they're yeah. also sort of serious, geeky about it that I'm willing to accept it. Right, I think. Um, well, anyway, that's enough about other shows, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It was a nice no, DNR, diversion. Like, I just. For, for me in DNR, it's, it's the world, you know, like there are definitely individual characters that I like, but on other D&D shows, it's sort of hard for me to imagine the place. It's just sort of people doing things and there's a context for it, but a lot of them don't really have a sense of place and DNR really does. Like when people go to Dern Hollow, they go to Dern Hollow and it's a place that you know and you know the history of it. And I just, I love that. I think that's the thing that really sold me eventually. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I have tried to figure out like why it is that there's all these podcasts and there's only really one and sometimes two that I actually enjoy listening to. I don't know what's wrong with all the other ones. Um, probably just a personal taste thing. But um, yeah, for, for some reason, DNR just works for me and a bunch of the other ones don't. So I don't know. It's hard to say. I just find myself tuning out on the other ones. And I think it's like a mix of serious and enough silly to keep me from getting like sleepy in the middle. And I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, let's go on to something you've maybe partially answered, but at what point did you get hooked on the show? Was there a particular like episode or arc that did it for you? Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think really when the whole, um, like gathering up everyone for the, I don't know, you call it the Overwatch War, the, you know, the Battle of Winterhaven, whatever. Um, like you could feel sort of momentum building. And again, you know, it's that sense of place. So you have, as these people are going around, they're sort of connecting all of these various threads to bring everyone back together. It's like the crossover episodes, you know, Bad Moon or the others, where you see all these sort of different bits, you know, seeds that have been laid here and there coming together. And that's just really neat. That's something other shows just, they can plant things and then come back to them, but it's not really the same. You know, it doesn't seem as consequential i guess okay yeah that that makes sense and that was definitely um a point where arc one was kind of taking off i think so that makes sense um okay uh this you may not have an answer to this but do you have a favorite group or like some favorite characters on the show like either arc or maybe one from each arc or something like yeah um not OG I, group one, apparently. Not, so. well, <laughs> I, it's funny. Like a lot of people, I liked Yenward until I sort of heard the whole story and then that was a problem. Um, yeah. But Actoronis, I think in arc one, I just loved him from the beginning. Yep. And he was so serious but not like stuffy, you know, like he could be goofy too, but he was sort of like a very Don Quixote kind of figure that even with all of this D and D stuff, he seemed like a little anachronistic. And I just thought that was a very cool choice for Xavier, like in this kind of show to go with that. Hmm. Yeah. I was, I'm also a big fan of his, so. Um, and I like Donovan, but I miss Actoronis anyway. So yeah, yeah. Um, in the new arc, um, I'm really starting to like Elena. Like I think as Val is sort of settling into it, she really is just starting to sort of. I don't know if it's so much role playing as her being herself, but channeled through the character, but the character seems to match her well. And it just, you know, especially like in the Theriathon episode, after, you know, Larg and Braylon get killed and she just like comes back. And just wails on that thing. It was just, it was such a great moment, I thought. Yeah, um, Sora was one of my favorite characters, too. And I I really feel like both of those characters, to me, feel like they're like 95% of Val. So maybe we just like Val a lot. Yeah, Um, (laughs) (laughs) that could be true. Yeah, I I don't know. But um, maybe maybe there's a little more there. But 
I don't I don't personally know her, so I don't know, but it feels like a lot of herself is in both of those characters. So Yeah, I um, think that's sort of a weird thing generally about DNR is feeling that you know these people even though you don't know them. And I know that's sort of a well-known kind of effect of knowing people through the internets. Right. But I feel it, and maybe that's another reason why I like DNR so much, is because it seems genuine, you know, how they are in behind-the-scenes chats and on the show is kind of who they are and I like that I like just knowing these people I think they're interesting people and so that's that's why even the behind the scenes are cool because it's just them bullshitting around yeah I you might be on to something there for me too and um actually like how many people in the world have we listened to for like 500 hours or 600 hours of like time talking like probably not even my own father have I listened to for as many hours as like <laughs> a member of a, a group on DNR so yeah um, you know there's something to that um, yeah. yeah okay uh, this is a new question here um, is there a departed character or player that you particularly miss being around on the show um Although I guess he's sort of coming back a little bit. Um, I miss Dagon because he was sort of, I felt like a very stabilizing influence. And now I'm super curious as to like getting to know more of his turned bad side, which I wouldn't have expected. And so that's, kind of a very interesting turn to me because he seemed like such a basically good guy and that turn was just a surprise yeah um, and yeah i yeah i know um so we're getting this like just announced yesterday i guess um final episode of the arc and i I don't know if it's that group or if that's just a stinger thing or if we're getting the dragon con group again um, but either way, I think we're going to find out what's going on with Dagon and time manipulation or whatever he's up to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking forward to that. I, I think a lot of people's answer to this would be like some OG group one character, but other than Malchus, I don't know how any of them would really fit in what's going on on the show now, like an arc two, um, like they're all a little too silly i think for what the show is these days um so yeah they're a little too chaotic in a way you know like they they acted in unexpected ways which is i think what a lot of people like about them but also just pointlessly to me so like they do something completely random and you wouldn't understand why at all that they did that. And I think now people are much more thoughtful about their characters, motivations and feelings and that it, it's much easier to, to track. 
Yeah. Um, so I think Draconis coming back, hopefully, to Patreon content. That's a good place for that because uh, it's going to be silly because it's Draconis. Um, yeah. But that's a good place for it. Um, yeah. And like everyone, I miss Theo. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe Theo will be back. Yeah, because I, I sort of feel like I, I wish that there were a person to play Theo, that he weren't an NPC. Because we got sort of bits of things about his magic background and some other things that never really got a chance to be fully fleshed out. And I think if someone played him as a real character and had some time to work with him, that he could turn into something really interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, that would be a lot of pressure, I think, to come in and play Theo. Like, um, so, like, the era love thing was not a lot of pressure because, like, the bar is not that high, right? Right. But um, <laughs> the Theo bar is kind of high, I think. So that could be that could be a little rough. But, um, yeah, it could be for sure. Yeah. And the groups have all gotten, like, too big for Jason to haul around a, a DM NPC with all the groups. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I, I miss those. I miss the Jason characters in ARC 2. Um, like there's no Valis hanging around. There's no Bree with episodes or with groups. Um, that's the thing I definitely missed from Mark One. But the groups were smaller. Like Group One was like three players for a while. That kind of yeah. thing. So I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's but, funny because you always see that as sort of a no-no to have a a DM PC. But I don't know. Jason never seemed to fall into the traps of sort of making them the focus of everything or trying to control the groups or whatever he, you know, they were just characters like any other character. Yep. I think, um, I think it can be done well. It's just people tend to not do it well. Right. But um, yeah. I, th I think he did a pretty good job with it. And I, I run occasional DM NPCs or PCs, and my game at home with just my wife and daughter too. And I just stay out of the way and mostly let things happen, but um, it's not too bad. But yeah. anyway, uh, what are you hoping for, for the rest of arc two? And do you have any crazy arc three thoughts? It's really hard to say about arc three right now, I think, but um, yeah, we got a couple episodes left. So anything you're rooting for? Um, I don't know that there's anything I'm rooting for. But I really like the idea of having sort of a natural break. Like I was going through the um, through the wiki prepping for this, and going back to arc one, you can see sort of spots where a break would have helped people sort of get their thoughts together and plan for the next thing. And so I really like that there was no particular sort of end goal but more of a oh we'll know it when it happens and it did like listening to group was it group c we got this week yep yeah so that felt like a really good place to sort of pause and say we'll be back you know in a couple months and you know what their goal is you know where they are and so that feels very comfortable um i just hope for the other groups that they're able to come to something like that. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then, uh, like, arc three, I guess, we're going to see more of, like, a goal-focused, like, the groups with bigger goals and things they're going for. Um, I'm looking forward to that again, like, this mix of arc one and arc two that Jason's been promising. Um, I think that'll be good. Yeah, and again, going back through the synopsis of arc one, we forget how many, how much of arc one was not big world stuff. You know, it was um, shenanigans in Dern Hollow and fighting the werewolves in Lockford. Like that was not a big world thing. I mean, yeah. it was consequential, but it was still fairly contained. And so I, I think you're right. I think it's nice to have sort of a mix of the big picture and smaller things. I know some people were, you know, I don't know, say disappointed, but wanted more out of this arc. And I'm happy to have it the way it was. Like the whole sort of um, trip to Onakal um, where Elrath was sick was just it gave people a lot of chance to sort of think about their characters and dig into them a little bit and I like that yeah I and think... again it was world building you know it was we found out about Onakal which was really cool yeah I I definitely like would like some of the bigger story stuff but I think if you look like the only data that we really have is like if you look at the Patreon numbers and they've gone way, way, way up during Arc 2. So I think a lot yeah. of people really like it. So yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't change it too much. So um, yeah, so kind of moving on to some stuff about you, I guess. Um, you were sure. in the Patreon group until pretty recently, I think. Um, so... Or, yeah, no, I'm I'm still in Patreon. You're still in the pretty one. fan group. Yeah. Okay, there we go. I wasn't sure. I knew some people no, moved okay. around in there, but um, yeah. why did you join the group? When did you join the group? Um, that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess um, I in I enjoy playing RPGs. Um, and. I don't really have a schedule that sort of is easy to um, like a lot of people, frankly, to get together a game with my friends. Um, I'll answer it in the later question, but I do have friends that I play with online. Um, and so I'm used to doing that. And I know that Jason's a good DM. And so supporting him and being able to do that just seemed like the best of, you know, all possible worlds. So, okay. Were you in like at the very beginning of Patreon? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you and are you in the Sheiks? Like the two originals left in that group, or is there some? Um, Brian was oh, also in there. the original group. Um. Let's see, a couple people just left. Um, Nate, uh, English Nate, um, was one of the originals, um, but he just left. Um, I have to actually look. 
Okay. No, I think I think um, that's but yeah. Probably it. Um, we played with Ryan. The funny thing is that we played with a couple of people who are now on the show, so yeah. it feels that feels a little weird, but funny at the same time. Like we played with Larg, but not this Larg. We played with Varus, but not this Varus. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it makes it makes total sense to take players from those things, but. Uh... Yeah, I know like Mandy is still in Patreon group two, right? Yeah, so yeah. um I don't know. I, I I still can't get wifely permission to try to join one of those. So I guess it's not gonna happen. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean the downside is it's not cheap. I think right. it's it's less expensive than you would think. Um but you know, it's it's not nothing. It's a lot of money to have to pony up every month. So, yeah. Well, for me, it would be like, do I keep buying bicycles or do I play pay to play <laughs> <laughs> DNR you game? Probably play for a while on a good bicycle. You know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, okay. <laughs> so, a little more specifics about that. Um, your characters you've had in that game, um, like as much detail or as as little as you want to go into, like did Travis kill your character, for example? Um, any memorable, like particularly memorable session? Um, that kind of thing from the Patreon game. Sure. Um, so I play a gnome monk um, who's named Bertha Littlefoot. Um, she's an old lady, but spry. Um, okay. And she loves kicking ass. <laughs> and she loves just sort of playing against type. Going back to the questions of your favorite group or favorite characters, she's kind of my homage to, I guess it was group four towards the end, was all like halflings except for, um, oh, I can't remember. Like Cole or, uh, Cole no, or probably the whoever. Um... Karen's character was right the paladin that she played oh probably. yeah yeah I want to say Ariana no I don't remember she I went through so many of them <laughs> but it was like you know Elrath, who I love and Sora and so I love the idea of sort of tiny butt kicking characters um and I haven't, I've played other RPGs, but not D&D enough to feel super comfortable trying to manage a spell list. So I knew I didn't want to play a caster. And I like monks. And I knew at that point there weren't any, there weren't any monk characters on the show. So I thought it would be interesting to sort of test that out in Theria and, and see what happens and i died a lot i mean i didn't die die i went unconscious but there was a running joke that i had to be unconscious at least once during every session oh, that's nice until i hit about i don't know maybe level three or four because monks are like that apparently hmm. you know, um, the first levels are just you're super squishy yeah um is this 
monk like this is it pretty much straight fight five e monk or is some like jason had built the class for 4e right but never got it on the show so right so he doesn't allow any of like the ninja e monk moves but that's fine like mine is just a hitting monster basically like mobile fighter um which i'm fine with i enjoy it um early on brian um and i brian plays a fighter um and i developed our you know fast pitch special because i just i think that's hilarious and so bertha has a quarter staff and he you know she just loves being thrown so she can whack large things upside the head okay that makes sense yeah <laughs> so bertha is still around yep so yep. okay so you survived the uh the temple fire that travis told us about the last time oh so, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah although just barely i think all of us died at least once in that trying to drag each other out um but yeah i did make it eventually <laughs> um anything else you want to tell us about uh bertha or we just keep going here uh we can keep going okay um so what is your history with tabletop gaming like outside of dnr um i played you know a little dnd &D in college although not a whole lot um, and then I didn't play for a long time, but I have a, a good friend. Um, she and her husband are big time board gamers, tabletop, LARPing. They do the whole deal. Um, and they wanted to play online. And so just about the same time I was getting into DNR, we started playing uh, a game called Hellas which is uh, what I call Greeks in space. It's sort okay. of traditional Greek mythology kind of things, um, but set in a very futuristic sci-fi universe. So it's a very cool game. Um, and it has very sort of interesting character types and stuff you can play. So that's the thing I've actually played the most. Um, hmm rather than D because &D, they've been playing for so long that they're just like eh, D, D, let's play something else so they're always playing strange things yeah i i definitely like building characters and stuff and it does get a little tired after a while like just to keep rolling D, &D characters so like there's so many other systems and stuff out there these days that it is fun to take a look at some of the other ones and like see what you can do class-wise and stuff, so. Yeah, the, a fun one I recently played with them was, um, oh, have you ever seen the movie The Brave Little Toaster? Um, I've heard of it. I don't yeah, know if I've seen it's, it or It's not. an animated movie, you know, the toaster. His kid moves, you know, goes off to college and they get sent to, like, the summer house or something. So the toaster and his friends go to find, find the guy. Um, these friends and I actually played a game where you play robots of varying types, but you have to pick, instead of having skills, you sort of have modules that you add to yourself. And so you can have 
you know, a solar collector or wheels or space to put things or, you know. And so I, I ended up being a golf cart bar bot. Okay. Gave me lots of space to like store liquids, which I would then use to attack things. And it was just, it was hilarious because hmm. it made you think very differently than sort of typical skills because you had to figure out how to take all these modules and assemble them into something that would actually work. That is interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I, I left you a little room to talk about something you wanted to talk about. And we are here just a couple weeks after the Kickstarter ended. So, yep. um, yeah, so that went pretty well and we unlocked a bunch of stuff. Is there something you're really looking forward to out of that besides like the main book, obviously? Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very psyched to see the book. Um, I did get a tier where I get to write a module. Okay. And I'm a little terrified about that because I have no, I, I've never run a game of any kind. Um, but I have kind of the seed of an idea. And, okay. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to talk to Jason about it because it's, um, because my character in the Patreon group is a gnome um, and the I, many episodes ago now, um, all I remember is Ellerath talking about it because she loved it so much. They met up with the gnomes who had the, were they mastodons? I can't remember what he called them. Mammoths? Maybe mammoths, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have an idea for like a Therian circus okay. with like mammoths, but all staffed by like gnomes and halflings and goliaths, like only very large or very big, a very large or very tiny characters. So like minotaur maybe too, that kind of thing. Yeah, like a minotaur or goliath, gnomes and halflings, and that's it. And I just have to figure out what they would do. Yeah, I, I have wondered that if there was like a traveling circus in Theria because um, I've wanted to throw one into a game of mine and I just did it anyway. But um, I feel like there should be. There should be. If there are mammoths, then there's got to be a traveling circus. Yeah. Which, by the way, that that's the mammoth that they, they like stiffed those people and didn't help them right after they said they were going to. So. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> oh, well, that's fine. Well, that sounds like that sounds like fun. Um, yeah. yeah, I I didn't know like I knew most of the people that got those tears, but I I didn't know that you had one. So yeah, there you go. I did you watch the like two and a half hour video thing they posted the other day? Because um, Jason talked a little bit about how that is going to work. The like no, I I have it bookmarked on youtube but i haven't had a chance to, to okay. watch it yet so yeah i think basically like if you have an idea you're gonna have a phone call with jason and hopefully they'll have some little form they're gonna fill out and then he's gonna kind of run with the idea and like check back in or something like just you don't i don't think you should feel a ton of, of pressure about it really so it seems like you have a pretty good start with an idea and then uh he's gonna try to do 
most of the writing, but um, it's like 10 pages and you have like a hundred dollar art budget or something. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I didn't know there, there was going to be art, but um, we get this crazy, I guess that's the thing. I, I never thought we would get to that module book. And then the last 20 minutes um, and Brian uh, made sure that we got there. And uh, yeah, a 130 page module book is kind of crazy. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> There's probably enough stuff in there to get you from like almost one to 20 in the theory game, just running those modules. So <laughs> that's kind of nuts. But yeah. um, okay, we're kind of wrapping up here. Sure. Um, is there anything going on outside the DNR Discord that's like big in your life this year? Or do you have other hobbies that you're really into? Um, like, what are you doing when you're not uh, listening to DNR or? in your case, kind of lurking on the Discord more than, <laughs> more than talking, but. Um, I guess um, I'm a big knitter. So Abby and I, you'll see sometimes go back and forth about our knitting projects and our yarn collections. <laughs> yep. And it's actually a good thing. It's sort of a good combo with podcasting because it's something I don't have to pay a super amount of attention to. So I can listen and do it at the same time. So they're very complimentary things. Um, and it's over now, but I went on a great um, nerd cruise. I went on the Joko cruise this year. Um, and they actually just did a big article about it in the New York Times. It's like a cruise that's completely centered around cosplay. It's basically a convention, like a board game convention, but on a boat. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it's just a whole week of chilling with people who play board games and D&D, &D and they have musicians and authors. And, you know, the, the last night of the cruise, there was a, um, a launch from... Um, uh, is it Cape Canaveral, the one in Florida? I, th I think that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, people, they had physicists and stuff on the boat, like, explaining what would happen in the launch and what you would see and all that stuff. It was just, it was a lot of fun. Hmm. So I that think is... DNR should should have a cruise. We can all <laughs> just hang out. <laughs> yeah, that, that does sound like an interesting thing, so... I, I think it's come up. I know I talked to Dashiks about it. I don't remember if it was on the, if it made the cut on the show or not, but a cruise is like one of those things I have no interest in doing ever. But uh, that actually sounds like relatively good. So uh, my problem is that I would never have anything to do on a cruise boat. But if I could play games, that would be different, I guess. So Yeah, like it is the opposite of your average cruise i they they put out a a schedule like a month and a half in advance and literally i i was playing like tetris with the different things i wanted to go to to try to fit them all into a day cuz there were so many you know craft sessions and talks and concerts and games and they had a 
game library that was as big as your regular like local game store. There was probably 300 board games in the game library. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like this idea. And I was just reading about it here and it's, it's, says that not your stodgy, boring relatives cruise, which is what I think about every cruise that my family goes on and then my wife wants to go on. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Yeah, so highly recommended. Sadly, not cheap, yep. but, you know, it's it's definitely like a, no one will look at you sideways for doing anything. And there's, I know this is important to you, vegan food available. All hey, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the, like that's they're the, very careful about you know yeah. people's needs and stuff. It's great. Yeah, the only yeah. So the two that I've looked at are there is there are a couple of vegan cruises. So I've looked at those, but I don't know how that would be exciting other than just food I could eat, right? Like that. Yeah, that's the thing. And then um, I think the one I do think this probably made it is uh, my wife and I were looking at like a river cruise in Europe and like. You get out during the day and bike, which like biking is oh, yeah. my big yeah, thing. Yeah. So that I think I would enjoy. But this looks fun. And if anybody out there is interested, um, 90% of cabins are already booked for 2020. Yes, so, they are. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our vacation budget is a lot more than she would let me spend on a D&D games. So I probably could do this. But uh, anyway, thanks. That's interesting. So um, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I've kind of paused the, uh, the recommending other people because I have a big queue of people right now. But if there's, if there's somebody that you, you really think I should interview on here, just like hit me up on the Discord or something and, and put it in there. But um, I've got like four more of these to do still. And, uh, and then I want to do um, an arc two like wrap up episode, which if you wanted to come back on for that, you totally could. Um, I think I think Steve is going to do it, and hopefully Desheeks is going to do it, and a, a couple other people. So that's going to be in July sometime. We're just going to get together and talk about like favorite moments from Mark II and um, things like that. So um, anyway, I think that's it. Great. Thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, bye, everybody.